Good morning, everyone. Um, just while I get set up, we had something quite exciting happen in the Bollum household this week. A moment, as Monty was sharing, and Joey said her first word. Does anyone want to take a guess to what they think that might be? Yeah. I love that we all would know. It couldn't be anything else, could it? It would have to be Dad. There was some serious coaching going on behind the scenes. Um, seriously. And it was quite funny. Last night, um, Andrew went out and um, Maisie went with him as well. They went to, to watch the footy. Maisie's the other threat. Uh, it's very possible that Joey could say Maisie before Mum. So anyways, they were both out of the house and I stood in front of, like, I held Joey in front of me and I just said, Mum, Mum, Mama. And she just looks at me and she just goes, Dad. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, I'll just leave that one there. So that's exciting. That was a special moment for us. Um well, it's great to be with you here this morning and, and have the opportunity to, to share with you guys again. Uh, the, just recently, I was uh, reading a book uh, for Joey. I was looking through all, all the different books she has, and I was trying to pick one to read her, and I saw this one called A New Friend for Mouse. And I thought, oh, that looks quite nice. That looks like a good book. And then as I kept reading the front cover, I saw the subtitle that said, Great Friends Can Be Hard to Find. And I read that and I was just a little bit taken back and I thought, oh gosh, that's not the most hope-filled statement that I want to read over my daughter. Um, but I thought, it doesn't matter, we'll, we'll just keep reading the book. And, um, you know, it was about this, this story of a mouse who wants to be friends with an elephant, but the elephant is afraid of the mouse, ironically. He thinks the mouse is going to harm him. Um, but in the end, they become friends and it's all okay. But it was just interesting, I just, that statement, great friends can be hard to find, just kind of stayed with me. And I I kind of thought about it more and more, and I just feel like this is something that is felt by so many people in our society today. And I would say that's inside the church and also outside the church. There seems to be this um, longing in people's hearts for deep, authentic, true relationship. And it feels like, as a society, we're just not hitting the mark. Uh, if you look at the amount of relationship breakdown that there is, whether it's in marriages or at work with conflict, uh, with friendships, there seems to be this desperate cry to want to know how to navigate relationship well, and it just feels like we're not really hitting the mark. And so I was just sitting with that and thinking about that and um, I started to ask the question, why? And I was like, well, why is that the case? And um, there's a Christian research professor called Brene Brown, who many of you might know of. Um, she did, does a lot of work around vulnerability. Uh, and she talks about this idea of having soft fronts and strong backs. And actually our women's ministry team here at Dural is going through that concept at the moment in order to um, kind of increase our relational capacity and, and help us in, in our discipleship of other women. 
So basically she says the opposite of having a soft front is having an armoured front. So um, I guess as a young age, um, as children, we learn to put up armour as a way of protecting ourselves. So the, we might have a, a, an armoured front because, you know, we're not comfortable with emotions. Uh, we might have experienced a trauma that then suggests that, you know, our vulnerability is actually dangerous. Um all these different things make us put up an armour. But as we get older, we realise that having this armoured self isn't actually honouring and living in our true identity. Uh, having a strong back is basically, I won't go into too much detail, but basically not being driven by what other people think. Things like pleasing and perfecting and proving um, get in the way of us having a really strong back um, and I believe in in today's society and culture that we have people who are walking around with armored fronts and often for very good reasons for things that have been hurtful and pain that they have experienced um, but in that there's this there's this cry and this desire in our society for relational healing the church needs to step up to the mark in that, to offer wisdom in how we actually um, experience um, healing in that and, and learn to engage in, in deeper relationship. And I personally have been in a season, and God tends to do this when I'm preparing a talk on something, um, where I have been faced with a number of really difficult relational circumstances lately. And um, if I'm going through conflict or any kind of relational dysfunction, it weighs on me more than anything else. Um, it just consumes all of my thinking. And you might even be in that position this morning. You might have something with someone that's just kind of weighing on your mind or your heart. Um, but I just really, as I was preparing this sermon, had the sense that God really wants to strengthen the relational capacity of this church. And I think that's one of the things he's been doing through this series. And he wants to um, strengthen our relational capacity to the point where the joy of our salvation becomes the thing that leads us more than the hurt or the pain of the situation we've faced. That we actually learn to make decisions, respond to other people out of the joy of our salvation and not out of the hurt or the pain um, that's been inflicted on us. So I'm just going to read again um, the section of scripture that we're looking at. So we're looking at verses 17 to 21 if you want to follow, follow along again. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful what to do. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So that first part of that scripture, do not repay anyone evil uh, for evil. Wouldn't our world be a completely uh, different place if that was uh, lived out today? You know, from child, like from childhood, we, um, we are faced with this idea and this sense of entitlement that if someone inflicts pain on you, you have a right to then 
get them back. You just think about siblings when they fight and they just shout out, or they hit me first. It's like, you know, if someone did that first, I have the right to then hit them back. Something that we just, that has been um, embedded in our thinking from a really young age. I remember once I was at school and I was talking to a friend about something that was going on in my life that was really personal and this guy in my grade overheard that and he started teasing me about it um, and so my response was to get a banana peel, chuck it in his face and push him into the girl's bathroom and of course I was the one uh, who got in trouble for that from the teacher but um, later it was around the time, uh, this happened around the time of the bushfires that we had in this area so lots of the parents were picking up their kids from school early and so my mum was coming and picked me up and this boy's um, mum came and picked him up and I noticed in their car that they had all of their belongings um, in their car and later I found out that their house had actually um, burnt down and it was this moment for me where I was like oh wow there's a lot more going on for that that person and even at as a young age that kind of just stuck with me um if you think about recently the shootings at the mosque in Christchurch um, and then you had Senator Fraser Anning's comments, his anti-immigration views, which were highly offensive to people. Um, we then had that, um, I'm sure you all heard about Egg Boy, who, um, you know, chucked an egg on his head during an interview and all of a sudden our society is praising him um, because there's a sense of like rightful retribution and uh, Steve Frost who many of you would know a member of our wider family here he actually wrote a, a post on Facebook about this and he said the rightness of our opinion doesn't sanctify our willingness to hurt or humiliate those who think or act differently. So even though um, those views were highly offensive, doing something wrong, humiliating that person doesn't make that action okay. And then this girl um, commented on Steve's thread and she said something really profound the power of Facebook when it's used well. She said, Egg Boy satisfies that part of ourselves that rejoices at some form of retribution happening when I as a person feel too impotent to act. I have to remember in such hard times that Jesus healed the ear of the man who came to arrest him. Vengeance and mockery are so easy to reach for. Peace and reconciliation, as Christ taught us, is hard work. And I just thought that was so, so profound. The sense of reaching first for vengeance and mockery is a behavior that we need to unlearn. We need to unlearn this idea that we are entitled to inflict pain on other people when it is done to us. Um, and what Paul is putting before us this morning is really hard work. It's really hard. It, um, as she said, peace and reconciliation that, that Christ gives us, that's much harder to, to um, live out of. Um, principles, so this is a kingdom principle. You could look at it that way, but principles without presence are powerless. And we need to remember as we look through all of this stuff that it's the Holy Spirit that's going to give us the power to actually live out this principle. And that's really, really important to remember that it's it's from the Holy Spirit that we actually have the power to live out um, this call that, that is actually quite difficult to live out. And so 
I want to draw inspiration from Jesus because he models to us perfectly what it looks like to not repay evil with evil. And so in Romans 5 verse 10, it says, While we were enemies to God, we were reconciled to God by death of his son. So we need to remember that we are disciples of the one who died for his enemies. We follow the one who gave up his life and died for his enemies. Can you imagine um, sacrificing a loved one for the sake of an enemy? That's It would be hard enough sacrificing a loved one for someone else that was a loved one, let alone an enemy of yours. But that's what our Heavenly Father did by sacrificing Jesus. We, it's saying we were still enemies to God at that point. But Jesus died for us in that moment when we were when we were enemies to Him. He models to us actually. Um, I died for you. I died for my enemies. And so, what we learn from Jesus, I want to focus just on two key things this morning. There's so many different ways that Jesus models this, but for time's sake, I just want to focus on two things. The first thing that we see Jesus did is that. He was really good at managing his heart in the secret place with the Father. And so you know that, um, you know, when you look at Jesus' life, he had these moments where he withdrew and he bore his heart before his Father. Uh, if you think about um, in Luke 22, in when he's praying in the Mount of Olives just before um, he's going to be crucified, he's feeling that anguish before him and he comes before the Father he bears his heart before the Father, but he seeks the will of God. He seeks the will of God in that moment. He's about to die for his enemies, go through excruciating pain, but by withdrawing and praying, he allows himself to come in contact again with the will of the Father. Just like it said earlier today in Romans 12 at the beginning, that in that moment we become able to, to um, test and improve the will of God. It's in the secret place with God as we withdraw that we come in contact again with the will of the Father. And so our capacity to process the evil that is done to us, because there will be things that people do to us that in, that inflict incredible hurt or pain, our capacity to process that well is dependent on our ability to withdraw in those secret places with Jesus. Um, Psalm 116 verse 2 says, Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. That image lately has just drawn me into the presence of Jesus so much. I just hold that picture in my head that he is bending down to listen to me. He wants to listen and so I will pray to come in contact with his um, will again. And so I want to this morning just give us a practical process um, of how we can actually process our pain with Jesus in the secret place. Um, Andrew and I go, um, you would have heard us say, every year we go on a retreat with our Spirit and Grace family. And um, one year we learnt the importance of managing our heart and we looked at um, three areas of pain, um, betrayal, disappointment and rejection so as you can manage it was a lovely light retreat not it was just like oh okay we're going there um and I think Andrew may have shared some of this process last year with you um but it's absolutely changed um our lives it's I think it's a thing that just sustains us when when you get faced with these things um 
but the process goes like this. So if you imagine that you have some some sort of evil or pain that someone does to you and you withdraw and be with Jesus in that moment, one of the things that's really helpful is just to name the situation, write it down, say what was done to you, put it on paper, don't bury it, just, just say what was done to you. The next thing that I've found really liberating is write the emotion that goes with that. So um, Dan Cattell and I, we were in pastoral care class many years ago and they gave us a list of all these different emotions and um, we had to pick an emotion that we were feeling at that moment. And I was going through a lot at that time. It was a really difficult week. And I remember turning to Dan and just saying, I feel fragile. And I just said it and it like was just this weight of like, oh, that's what I actually feel. And there was something liberating in that, just actually owning, okay, this is, this is how I feel uh, in my heart. The next bit, which is really, really important, is that we ask Jesus how he views the situation and how he views that person. Uh, and often it's in that moment he'll lead you to scripture, he'll give you pictures, he'll um, help you to see that person and that situation so that you can respond to them in compassion. Um, again, you'll come in contact in that moment with the will of God and how he views them. So to give you an example, the other day, I was about to have a conversation with someone that week um, who uh, had done something that really um, had upset me and I wanted to make sure I, I did that conversation well and so I did this process and when I asked Jesus how um, he viewed that person, he gave me a picture of a porcelain doll and he said, handle them with care. He said, handle them with care. They're fragile at the moment. And that then just kind of guided the way I had that conversation and allowed me to see that actually there's a lot going on for that person. Um, And then the last thing is just handing that over to him, coming back to the secret place and keep giving him that situation. But what that process does, and it doesn't have to look exactly like that, but it's just about inviting Jesus into that pain. Um, it stops the root of bitterness growing up, growing up within us. Um, and what it also does is that when we're withdrawing with Jesus, um, we learn to breathe grace. And you cannot breathe out what you do not breathe in. So as you're in that place with Jesus, you're breathing in his grace afresh, what he has done for you. And you find the capacity to then breathe that out into other people. Um, and it's in that place that you'll find the capacity to not repay evil uh, with evil. And so as I said before, principles... Um, without the presence are powerless. So again, it's coming back to that secret place, finding our source of power, which is the Holy Spirit, to then go out um, and to love those who have really, really hurt us. Um, the other thing that we learn from Jesus is that he embodied um, and he practiced forgiveness. Right before he died, he said, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. Um, and he, Jesus has extended um, the greatest act of mercy to us. And we remember that in communion today and then calls us to extend that mercy to others. Um, And we need to understand just how seriously Jesus takes forgiveness. If you think uh, about 
Matthew 18 and the parable of the unmerciful servant and Peter says, well, how many times should I forgive? Seven times. And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven, I think. Um, but that parable, he gives him, you see, the master shows mercy to the servant. He clears his debts. He's owed something, but he, he shows him mercy. But then that servant goes and finds another servant who owes his money, owes him money and chokes him and says, you need to give me that money and doesn't extend that mercy to other people. Uh, and then the master finds out and what he does is that he hands that servant over to the jailers to be tortured. Then we see this quite confronting statement where Jesus says, this then is how your heavenly father will treat you if you, unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. And that passage just shows how important forgiveness is the stakes of forgiveness god has shown us mercy he, mercy he is our master he has cleared our debts and he calls us to then extend that to other people now i just want to acknowledge that um in that point there are people and there would be people in this room who have had atrocious evil done to them really horrible things and I just want to say um, Jesus completely weeps with you in that pain he has compassion for us in that pain um, Jesus calling you into forgiveness is not dismissing that it's not dismissing the pain that you're carrying but he calls you into that forgiveness because he he desires for you to experience abundant life. He wants you to have abundant life. He wants you to um, experience peace and life in your soul. That is why he calls us into that forgiveness. It's not because he's dismissing what has been done to us, but because he wants us to have that rest um, in our souls. And so um, we see that Jesus modeled this principle perfect for us. And actually, if we choose to repay evil with evil, in, where, in that moment we're saying that evil is governing our life more than Jesus. I know that sounds really heavy, but it's true. It's saying evil actually is dictating how I respond and act more than Jesus is. So it's, again, our capacity to withdraw, connect with the will of God, um, understand the forgiveness that we're called to, the forgiveness that has been extended to us, to then um, find the strength to, to respond in love. Paul um, takes that whole concept even a step further, and he says, actually, overcome evil with good. Um, he, I'm going to come back at the end and talk briefly about peace. Uh, but he says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. So I just want to focus our attention on that image of um, the burning coals because it's quite a quite a um, profound image that we're given. But in biblical culture, um, in their communities, they would have a fire and the fire would be at the center of the community and they would basically tend to that fire throughout the day. And often what would happen is when it came time to cook a meal, people would get a coal, put it in the container that they held over their head. They'd take that back to their homes and they would use that coal to then cook a meal. 
One of the things that would happen is that for the people who lived on the outskirts of the community, um, they would put the coal in their container but by and they'd be rushing to get back. But by the time they got to their home, that coal would be cold, um, would have gone out and be cold. And so what used to happen is people who um, lived closer would see them hurrying out and you'd actually get a coal from your fire, put it in their container in order to keep their coal warm so that they could have the capacity to cook a meal. Um, now, people often see this example as like a sneaky way to afflict people or as a way to kind of heap guilt and shame on people. And you know, I just want to say really clearly that's not the purpose of this at all. It, the, it's not um, to, you know, sneakily make sure that they pay for their actions. The purpose of this is that we're able to actually demonstrate a kindness and a grace that points people towards life. It's an, it's an opportunity to lo- actually love our enemies into truth. And... Um, The other thing that's really important is it's not up to us to discipline them. God's saying, that's up to me. Let the one who can discipline them and do it in love and knowing the the full picture, let me do that. And actually, when we try and vindicate our situation and we try and bring wrath upon um, another person, we actually, we're narrowing the space of God's discipline because all of a sudden we're then repaying evil with evil and we too need God's discipline. And so God's saying, just move over, step aside. This is, this is for me. This is, let me do it. And what you can do is actually engage in mercy and love so that with the hope that this person might encounter the truth, might encounter the gospel in that process. Um, I want to just give us a, an example um, from the Old Testament that can inspire us of how actually um, when we do good, it, sometimes it can lead to a conviction in another person and, and repentance. But if you look at the relationship um, between Saul and David in 1 Samuel 24, King, Dave, um, King Saul is pursuing David and he's trying to to murder him, quite serious. And Saul kind of carelessly ends up entering this cave where David and his men are hiding. And David's men in that moment are like, David, this is your opportunity. Kill him. This is your moment. Um, And David says these incredible words and he says, I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. And when Saul realizes that David could have actually um, killed him, He says these words, you are more righteous than I. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. And people still remember David for his righteousness, his resolute determination to to obey God. Um, and his resolve to do good actually resulted in the blessing of, of so many nations and of us today. And so it's also important to remember that sometimes um, overcoming evil with good will not lead to that person to repent or be convicted. 
So it can't be based on that. If you look at Jesus, he did the ultimate act of good and the Pharisees were just like, good riddance, see you later. It doesn't always end up in that. But we do it because Jesus commanded us to love. We do it with the hope and the possibility that that might actually lead that person into the truth of who they are and who Jesus is. And we do it to, to glorify God and to protect our hearts from having that that bitterness that might grow um, grow inside of us. And so just simply um, today, where is God calling you to overcome evil with good? What does that look like for you in all your different um, situations? Also in this passage, um, we see that it talks about peace. And it says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I'm not going to go, you could... Um, this could be its own sermon. Um, but I'm not going to go into detail for time's sake, but I just want to make um, two brief points. And I think these kind of overlap, these areas overlap anyways. But peace is obviously compromised when evil is repaid with evil. And we are called as followers of Jesus to be peacemakers. It's not an optional activity for believers of God. We, we are called into that peacemaking. And I believe that there are three dimensions of peace in our life. We have peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with others. And we will not experience, and we cannot experience that full internal peace when one of those dimensions is out. And so often with myself, if I do not have peace with others, that will then affect my full uh, experience of internal peace. And so I just encourage you this morning to reflect on those dimensions and ask Jesus, is any of them does any of them need the Holy Spirit to speak healing or truth into? I also want to acknowledge again that um, sometimes people will reject our efforts for peace. And that's why it says, as far as it depends on you. Sometimes people reject the peace that we extend to them. If that happens, our secret place again for managing our heart is so important because rejection is really hard to carry. It's really hard to carry. And um, if you leave that untouched, if you leave that rejection untouched, again, a root of bitterness can grow up inside of you that will affect your internal peace. So again, that secret place with God and processing that is really, really important. Um, as a family, we used to go to England a lot because you would all know mum's from there. And one of the things that um, I used to love doing was we would go on these um, walks in the countryside. And I loved that in England you can kind of walk on everyone's farmland and it's fine and it's just really lovely. And you'd see these beautiful big trees that had been there for thousands and thousands of years and these beautiful big oak trees. Um And one of my favorite prophetic pictures is from Isaiah 61. And it says, they will be called the oaks uh, oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So we as disciples of Jesus are like this planting that displays the Lord's splendor. And um, the way in which we do that is by cultivating cultures here on earth that reflect heaven. So often when you think about you think that might involve signs and wonders and miracles and, and that is true and it does involve those things. 
but it also involves relational wisdom. Um, as I said before, our society is desperate for that relational wisdom. And as we overcome evil with good, as we make every effort here in our community, in our family, to live at peace with everyone, we will be like this planting that displays the Lord's splendor. And people can't miss it. People will notice it. It, it can't be missed. And so it's, again, our capacity to breathe in that grace um, that will allow us to display that splendor to, to the world around us. Um, to give you an example of this, with, without going into too much detail, uh, I had a situa- I've had a situation with someone for over 10 years um, who it's been quite challenging to walk peacefully with them um, and in love. And uh, finding forgiveness has been a constant challenge. Uh, it's something that Jesus is just constantly bringing into my path to keep forgiving. And um, probably to a lot of people and to the world, I've had every right, right to just cut that person out of my life. Um, there's been times I've had to learn to put up boundaries and things to protect myself, and that's really important. But... Um, God's kept calling me back to actually respond to them in love with strength, but also grace and peace. And so to remain um, differentiated from that situation, I had to get counseling and and navigate that and deal with my own pain. I've had to um, get wisdom from my friends, from Andrew. um, And I've had to really trust my character in Jesus when they've tried to attack that or um, question that. But the biggest thing I've had to learn is to respond again out of the joy of my salvation and not the hurt and the pain of that situation. And that's been a constant battle and I definitely haven't always done that, but it's been something that God's been teaching me to do. Anyways, recently um, I was with this person and it was really random, but we were in conversation and they said to me and they like, you have a really calming presence, Emma. And they said, when people are around you, they feel peace. And that might sound like a really small thing, but for me, that was a huge breakthrough in that relationship. Um, by me responding in peace um, and love to them, they were actually noticing the peace of Christ in my life. And it's just those simple moments that allow us um, to display the Lord's splendor. They might not acknowledge it as that, but in that moment she just caught a glimpse of the peace of Christ that we carry through the Holy Spirit. Um, and God is healing and he has been just bringing healing into that relationship. And so I've just been asking the Lord what um, he's wanting to leave us um, as we finish this series. And the phrase that kept coming to mind was, be a community who breathes grace. Be a community who breathes grace. And as I said before, we cannot breathe out what we do not breathe in. And so um, I just want to encourage you to spend time reflecting on the mercy and the grace um, that has been given to you by Jesus. And that's why communion is so powerful I was having dinner with um, someone the other day and actually it was Tom Burden's dad and Aaron and Tom invited us around with Tom's parents and his dad said something really profound as we were finishing dinner. 
he looked at me and he just said, looked at Andrew and I and he said, do you really know what he has done for you? And in one of those moments, you're like, whoa. I was like, whoa. He's like, do you really know what he has done for you? Because if you do, you know, it will propel you into love for those who might seem really unlovable. It'll propel you to spend time with people who you wouldn't usually spend time with. And that statement just really stuck with me. Just to ask that question again before Jesus, like, Jesus, what is it that you have actually done for me? Um, as I was praying, I also uh, saw a picture of a wound, um, and the wound had like a tattered old bandage around it. And the sense that I had is that some of us have relational uh, wounds in our life that God's saying, I want to bring new healing into. Get rid of the old tattered bandage. That's not working. I have a new level of healing that I want to give you in that relationship. Um, and I just want to encourage you, if that resonates with you, just to spend time in God's presence going through that heart process and seeing how God wants to speak into that situation. Or grab someone you trust here this morning um, and pray it through because the Holy Spirit wants to speak afresh into that wound for you and actually give you a new level of liberation and healing in that. And you'll be amazed as you do that, just the capacity you grow in to breathe out grace to the most um, unlikely people. So our society, as I said, it's desperate for this wisdom. It's desperate for relational wisdom. And um, we need to get this right with each other first so that we can then display that to each other, display that to the world. And as we do that, um, I just believe this community will be a beautiful planting um, of the of the Lord's splendor that that people will just not be able to miss. They will notice it. So um, I might invite Adam and the band up, and I might just just pray as we finish. So why don't you stand, and um, we'll pray together. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that um, you call us to just a high standard of living because you want the best for us. You want us to experience abundant life with you. Lord, you want us to experience rest in our souls. And Lord, I just pray that we could just come before you as a community afresh and bring um, our wounds and our pains before you. Lord, that you would just speak new revelation and new healings into those areas of our life um, that might be causing us a lot of pain. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that um, it is by your Holy Spirit that allows us to live that out in power. And so we ask humbly, Lord, that you would rest upon us now by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that you would give us strength to display um, the wisdom of God, to display the peace of God to a world who desperately needs it. Lord, we thank you for your love. And may we just be reminded by the depth of that love and what that actually looks like for us this morning. Amen.